Good morning. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And this is the off year for elections. Yes, there is election day this year, even though it's not presidential, it's not gubernatorial, it's not congressional, but there are marquee races out there. Uh, there are two gubernatorial races, New Jersey and Virginia. Hopefully we'll get into that in the, co- in the coming weeks. But one of the marquee races here in New York State is actually for Nassau County Executive, Nassau County being larger than several states uh, of uh, in the United States. And running for that is the incumbent Laura Curran and our guest this morning, Bruce Blakeman, uh, a longtime friend, longtime well-known Republican, also a Jewish Republican, running in the race uh, here in Nassau County, what promises to be a close and interesting race uh, with a lot of the ballot and a lot at stake uh, in America's first suburb. Bruce Blakeman, welcome to Spin Class. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate the opportunity. So, Bruce, give us a lay of the land. What's going on? What do you hear? Usually the party out of power is the one that does well in the off-year elections. That's the tradition. I think Nassau County has generally elected a party from the op- uh, a candidate from the party of the opposite party of the president uh, in the last couple cycles. Uh, Will lightning uh, strike once again this year in 2021? I believe it will because of a lot of different reasons, but you're right. Uh, In the past 24 years, the winner of the county executives race has been in the opposite party of the sitting president. And in this case, we have a president that is a monumental failure in his policies that are really hurting people, and it's translating into a very angry uh, electorate. And basically, my my opponent, she's a liberal Democrat. She likes to pretend that she's a moderate. But the fact of the matter is, uh, she is somebody that supports President Biden. She has yet to denounce AOC and Talib and Omar, uh, who are virulent anti-Semites. They're in her party. They should be thrown out. But uh, she doesn't want to take that on. But the two most important issues in this county race are taxes and crime. And on both those issues, she gets a failing grade. And I can go into that uh, further if you would like. Oh, please do. I, if you're a Nassau County resident, which I which I am, and I hate to be so centric here, but I think that this is uh uh, an important bellwether type of race in the in the suburbs uh, is crime and bail reform. I mean, that's all we're getting every day. There is a d- district attorney's race, an open seat for district attorney taking place alongside you. Uh, so I'd love for you to comment that and some of the themes that are going on, which is particularly around public safety. Well, let me just first go into reassessment for a moment, and then I'd like to talk about crime. Uh, This county executive decided to reassess all of the residential properties in Nassau County, and it has turned out to be a total disaster. The valuations are way off. uh, The tax rolls they used were incorrect. And basically, 200,000 people have now grieved their, their assessment, and most of those people are successful. And when you get your school tax bill, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be angry. And you're going to be frightened. You're going to be frightened because you're going to see such an increase in your school tax bill that you're going to wonder whether or not you're going to have enough money to pay your mortgage, 
and your taxes and put food on the table and pay tuition. Uh, it has been, again, a, a debacle. It's broken. She broke it. I will fix it. Uh, with respect to crime, my, my opponent was caught on video saying she would absolutely not rule out defunding the police. Absolutely was the word she used. Absolutely not rule out defunding the police. And now she's trying to backtrack on that statement, just like originally she said she was for bail reform. Now when she sees how unpopular it is, she says she's not for bail reform. But her running mate, the person she chose to be on the ticket with her for district attorney, Senator Todd Kaminsky co-authored the bail reform law, which is really nothing more than a get-out-of-jail-free card. 3,000 prisoners were released in jail because of that law. They were released from jail, and they committed in the last six months 9,000 new crimes. Shootings are up everywhere. In Nassau County, shootings are up 39%. We've had shootings in New Hyde Park, Rockville Center, two shootings in Inwood, Baldwin, Elmont, Newcastle, Roosevelt. A Wontaw, the Wontaw community had three bank robberies last week. There were 23 shootings in Nassau County in the last 28 days. Crime is out of control. We've got a great police department, but the fact of the matter is they've been handcuffed, pun intended. And it's all due to her and to her running mate. And on the Republican side, we do have a crime fighter. We do have an experienced prosecutor who, who will be tough on crime, Annie Donnelly. And uh, she is my running mate. So if you want to be judged by the company you keep, my, my um, running mate is opposed to the bail reform law. She's been a prosecutor for 30 years. She's prosecuted murder cases, rape cases, burglaries. My opponent, she stands with Joe Biden. She stands with the author of the Bail Reform Act. She stands with people in her party that are for defunding the police. When our new governor chose a lieutenant governor, it was one of the leading proponents in the Senate of the Bail Reform Act, the get out of jail free card. And we know in our communities that the car break-ins are up. We know that the harassment up. Here locally in, in Woodmere, people have been approached by a panhandler. I was approached by a panhandler, an aggressive panhandler. We've never had that in Woodmere. It's happened in Cedarhurst. People don't feel as safe as they did four years ago. We've got to get serious about crime. We got to make sure that we have more rights than the criminals, because right now in New York State, the criminals have more rights and we have to fix the broken reassessment. And on top of fixing the broken reassessment, I will cut $120 million in county taxes, money that the county executive has been hoarding. It's your money. The surplus in a county budget is your money. It's not the county's money. It was money that was collected from taxes. I want to get that money back to you, the voters. So if we could just dive into uh, the crime issue, because it's, that's just something that I hear so much about on a daily basis. I'm sure you do, too. I mean, if people don't feel that they are safe, um, you know, they're really uh, in in their suburban lifestyle, uh, you know, that, then they start to question, what did I move to the suburbs for? 
Uh, you know, Nassau County has has had a lot of uh, demographic changes over over the years. It's not quite the same as even when I moved here, and I'm sure you grew up here and you've been you've been in this neighborhood forever. Um, you know, what is it now? I mean, we have what I consider one to be one of the finest police forces in in the country, but. Uh, you know, there is this revolving door that we talk about of criminals. I I don't know the public fully understands the idea that somebody can be arrested for a crime in the morning and be freed in time to commit another crime in the evening or maybe even the afternoon. You know, can you just Bruce, can you just explain, yeah, well that, you know, what has happened here with our criminal justice system? Yes. Yeah, so that that's a great point, Michael. And thank you for asking that question. So last week, I was up in Manhasset. I was talking to a store owner there. He told me he doesn't even call the police anymore because, again, the police are handcuffed. What happens is if you're caught shoplifting and you could be caught 30 times, 100 times, you get a desk appearance ticket. You don't have to go before a judge. The judge doesn't have to determine whether or not to set bail because they've taken that discretion away from judges. So he doesn't call the police anymore. Because the shoplifters, they come with a bag, they fill up with, with all of his goods, he calls the police, the police come, they give the guy an appearance ticket, he's back the next day, because there are no consequences. And what we've seen here is people who have committed crime after crime after crime get released and commit more crime. Here in the Five Towns area where you live, car break-ins are up. It's, it's, it's an epidemic right now. Because if you break into a car and you're caught, you're not going to be held, even if it's 30 times that you've done car break-ins, a judge cannot hold you on bail. And it has made us less safe. It has made us less secure. And it's due to Democrat liberal policies. And we, when you talk about respect for law enforcement, the Republican majority in the county legislature passed a bill that would protect police officers, give them the same protections to sue protesters that injured them that you and I have. And Laura Curran said she was gonna sign the bill and then she vetoed it. She went back on her word. She says one thing in one community and she does something someplace else. You can't trust her. I have earned the trust of this community over the years. I am for tuition tax credits. I am for vouchers because I know how expensive it is for people to send their kids to a religious school and they should have that option as a parent. So there are fundamental differences. If you believe in low taxes and fighting crime, you vote for Bruce Blakeman. I will be the county executive you can trust. I will fix the broken reassessment, cut $120 million in taxes, restore respect for law and order, and I will go up to Albany and fight and fight and fight until they repeal the get-out-of-jail-free law. So, Bruce, I want to just address, I guess, the themes almost, maybe Republicans should be flattered to a certain degree that the mail coming from Laura Curran and her television ads would almost lead somebody to believe that she's running as a Republican. Uh, fiscal discipline, public safety, all all the Republican themes that we have, um, you know, that we've seen over the years. 
uh, you, all, out is all this progressive language. Um, and is is this sense that you get is that she's kind of renting or borrowing these themes from from the Republicans? Is she trying to make people feel that uh, that, you know, she's not part of the, she's running away from the Democrats? I mean, what is the real contrast here in this race with regard to uh, with regard to her campaign and what she is uh, trying to convey to the voters? Well, to steal a phrase from Winston Churchill, she's a sheep in sheep's clothing. Basically, she's a supporter of Joe Biden. She's a supporter of a progressive, liberal, socialist agenda. She tries to paint herself as a moderate in certain communities. And then she goes to other communities and then she reveals who she really is as a progressive, liberal socialist. And unfortunately for her, people have video capability on their iPhones. So we've caught her saying things about defunding the police and things like that. And she's not fooling anybody because we're bringing to people's attention who she really is. Think about this for a moment. Has she said anything about Joe Biden and all the mistakes that he's made and how he's made this a less safe country economically and security wise? Has she ever publicly denounced AOC? or Tlaib, or Omar, and demanded that they be thrown out of positions of power on committees in Congress. She hasn't, because they're her people. And when you look at the university she attended, of all the 5,000 plus universities in the United States, Laura Curran attended Sarah Lawrence University, the number one socialist, progressive, liberal university in the United States. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. Where 99% of the people that go to school there are progressive liberals. She chose that school out of 5,000 plus universities. She's not getting away with it. She's trying. She, she knows that the Biden agenda, the Cuomo agenda is, is something that uh, people have rejected. So she's trying to run away from them, but she can't because she's with them. She's one of them. Okay, so Bruce, uh, I want to just switch gears for a second as uh, uh, to get to our last uh, questions. I want to talk about ice cream, and uh, I think you know uh, where I'm going with this. But uh, <laughs> as a as a Jewish Republican, you were, I think, one of the first out there uh, talking about Ben and Jerry's and their boycott of Israel. In fact, you've been very vocal with regard to in the town government as with regard to BDS issues and Israel issues. And a lot of people think that this is entirely foreign policy is not the purview of local government or county government. But maybe you could address for a, a second how much this matters really uh, when it comes when it comes down to it for Israel supporters to care about some of these local issues uh, as far as boycotting Israel and where local government can come into play. Yeah, so that's a great question. So number one, Nassau County is one of the largest Jewish populations in the world. Um, we have probably in the neighborhood of 250,000 uh, Jews living in Nassau County. Uh, it, it's an important issue to them. I have spent my whole life fighting anti-Semitism. Anti I've spent my whole life, my whole life, my adult life as a Zionist. And um, when you take a town like the town of Hempstead, which has almost 800,000 people, we made a statement. We were the first 
to pass anti-BDS legislation. We were the first to ban Unilever products, including Ben and Jerry's, because they supported the BDS against Israel. I twin-towned with the Shamron region because I am in support of the settlers there. So I think it's important that as a county executive representing over 250,000 Jews in Nassau County, and being a Jewish American myself, with a county that's larger than a number of states, and we're larger than some countries in the United Nations. I think that I need to use that bully pulpit to support Israel and to condemn anti-Semitism and fight against anti-Semitism. I'm very proud of the fact that I have received the endorsement of uh, former ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, who sent a beautiful letter endorsing me, talking about my 30 years of work for the Jewish community and as a Zionist. And um, again, this election gets down to who do you trust? And I believe that when people look at the record and they look at who Laura Kern is, who her friends are in the Democratic Party, and when they look at my record over 30 years and the Republican agenda, I believe they'll vote Republican. I can't stress enough. I know people like to vote in federal elections, but if you are concerned about your quality of life in Nassau County, then you got to get out and vote in this election. The election day is November 2nd. Early voting starts on October 23rd. You can vote early voting at the Lawrence Village Country Club. Get out, vote, get your friends to vote because this election does have consequences for you and your quality of life. Please vote for me, Bruce Blakeman, for Nassau County Executive. Okay, Bruce Blakeman, Republican candidate for Nassau County Executive, currently a town of Hempstead councilman. Town of Hempstead actually being the largest township in the United States of America, a passionate defender of Israel and uh, the Jewish people. Bruce, thank you once again for joining us here on Spin Class this morning. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity. So as we said, the marquee race likely of the 2021 election day, meaning uh, coming up in November, is going to be the governor of Virginia. That seems to be the bellwether. Glenn Youngkin, a private equity executive, former the head of the Carlisle Group, uh, against uh, Terry McAuliffe, who once was governor of Virginia, was term limited, uh, sat out, and then came back off the bench to run again. And if you are the White House and you are a Democratic strategist, you are panicking right now. You're actually panicking right now because this race, according to the latest polling, is either tied or within the margin of error. Uh, That should not be. Joe Biden won this state, Virginia, which has become increasingly blue by 10 points last year. Glenn Youngkin, who uh, clearly is not a fully lockstep MAGA guy and has been running a campaign that has certainly tried to appeal to the suburban Republican types who used to vote Republican, but in certain suburbs in 2020, President Trump uh, was down, let's say, in the 20s, uh, 28%, I think, in Fairfax County, which is the most populous county in the state of Virginia, and really can't win the state without getting there. So Glenn Youngkin, without doing at least decently uh, for 
Republicans used to split that type of county, uh, 60-40, even closer than that, down to 28%. Glenn Youngkin running far ahead and has really capitalized on some missteps from Terry McAuliffe, not just the fact that, you know, you think about elections being something that voters want to see regarding the future and future plans. Do they really want to bring a governor back who had been there before and is basically saying, okay, I will bring you more of the same. He's really running a campaign that's just essentially anti-Trump, even though he's not running against Trump. His latest ad, meaning McAuliffe's latest ad, just plays up Trump's endorsement of Yunkin, even though they haven't appeared together, even though Trump has not even appeared in the state. And Yunkin is really capitalizing on the schools issue. And it's not just the schools, but the masks and the vaccines. And I know that we like to think that, oh, that's the big issue going on. No, it's actually like curriculum issues, but not just curriculum issues, but some of these crazy things going on in Virginia, particularly with regard to uh, transgender issues and not being able to figure out whether it was an assault of a girl in the bathroom of a high school in Loudoun County, which is outside Virginia, where a boy was able to just walk into that bathroom, assault her, because there are no rules, apparently, with regard to who can enter the bathrooms. And I know, you know, when these bathroom bills came up, everybody was like, well, this will never happen. That'll never happen. But apparently it has happened. And what the school officials did was they just moved this predator this teenage predator into a different school at where he committed assault again because he was permitted to enter the girl's bathroom. And then when the parents, one of the parents protested at a meeting, they had him arrested. And these are the kinds of things that are going on in this wokeness uh, era where you can't even, where there's more rights for certain types of people. And I, you know, not, it's not a knock on, transgender kids this is just you have to actually have a real policy and then of course McAuliffe famously said on September 28th that he didn't believe parents should be telling schools what they teach essentially a made for TV ready ad for them to basically say parents should not be involved in their kids education which is now run over and over and I think that. I mean, I, I don't even understand the idea of not allowing parents to be involved in their kids' education. Uh, this is like wokeness liberalism at the highest order of just saying, well, we know best, and therefore stay out of it. And that's what's going on at a lot of school board meetings. Now, I think that the parents protesting, and we've seen it on video, has gotten a little bit too much. But to say that parents should not be involved in their children's education, I think that's, that's one of the beauties that we have in private school when you have school choice, that you actually have parents that be involved. They're not just told what to do from the top. And they can make a choice and they can walk away if they need to. Uh, I do want to address the passing of Colin Powell, a great American, a great public servant, and just talk about the 
just talk about, well, we'll just wrap back to Virginia for a second. If this holds and either Glenn Young could wins or let's just say he gets close, meaning within two points, I mean, you will see two or three seats that Democrats picked up in Virginia uh, last year probably go away because some of those uh, competitive districts that used to be held by Republicans are like two to three points. And if Biden won by 10 and some of these representatives won by two or three, uh, I think Elaine Luria and, and some and uh, uh, maybe Abigail Spamberger, some of these are probably going to go away pretty soon, imperiling the House majority. This is why the Democrats really need to get their act together with regard to this infrastructure package. Just pass the infrastructure, the bipartisan one. Uh, going far left <clears throat> is going to kill you in a place like Virginia. And uh, there should be some acknowledgement of that. But unfortunately, you see the left just running the show here. Okay, back to Colin Powell. Uh, it's really, it's really uh, what a career, uh, what a public servant, uh, humble origins in the South Bronx, joins the ROTC in City College, finds his calling in the military, and at one time was the favorite to run for president. So much so that when he, uh, Ronald Reagan, he spoke in this Ronald Reagan's presidential library. Reagan bestowed an award on him and said, I, I shouldn't say this. I have a confession to make. This is from Reagan. I just might have had an ulterior motive in inviting Colin Powell up here today to make to my presidential library. You see, I was hoping that perhaps one day he'll return the favor and invite me to his, Reagan said. And this is really something because Ronald Reagan himself was, I guess, grooming or expecting that Colin Powell would one day be president of the United States. That's how esteemed he was, if you remember, uh, was odds on favor to actually run against Bill Clinton, um, was favorite to run. And, uh, you know, you see that Colin Powell really just doesn't didn't find a place anymore and essentially left the Republican Party in 2020, 2021. Uh, so much so that President Trump could not see his way to really praising Colin Powell. Um, yeah, I should read it. It's just uh, it's just unfortunate. But let me just read what George W. Bush said. Laura and I are deeply saddened by the death of Colin Powell. He was a great public servant, starting with his time as a soldier during Vietnam. General Powell, this is from uh, Barack Obama. General Powell is an exemplary shoulder and an exemplary patriot. He was at the center of some of the most consequential events of our lifetimes. Mike Pence. Colin Powell was a true American patriot who served our nation with distinction in uniform as a four-star general, national security advisor, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and the 65th Secretary of State. Karen and I are praying for his wife, Alma, and the entire Powell family. Senator Ted Cruz, historic as his life was historic as it was extraordinary. Tom Cotton, Powell always put country first. Ron DeSantis ordered flags at half-staff. A trail called him a trailblazing leader, a trailblazing soldier, leader, and public servant. And on and on. Uh, Chris, Chris Christie called Powell an outstanding public servant and great American. Unfortunately, President Trump, who rarely sees things beyond his own, how they affect him personally, uh, says, Wonderful to see Colin Powell, who made big mistakes on Iraq and famously called weapons of mass destruction, be treated in death so beautifully by the fake news media. Hope that happens to me someday. He was a classic rhino. But anyway, may he rest in peace. Uh, it, it's 
Lindsey Graham told President Trump that the reason you lost Arizona was because you continued to disparage John McCain. And it's probably true. We lost Arizona by a very, very small margin. Um, of course, that was confirmed even by the Republican audits and the cyber ninjas, etc. But it's remarkable that you continue to criticize our dead heroes. Uh, just, just let it go. Uh, it's not a situation where every slight needs to be returned. If Colin Powell didn't like you, he's dead. He's gone. He is an American hero, American trailblazer, and it's unbecoming of any president, of anyone who led the nation, of any commander-in-chief to disparage a man who wore the uniform uh, with dignity for so long. Uh, I want to close with this uh, quote. It wouldn't be right to not acknowledge the debate between uh, Eric Adams and Curtis Sliwa that happened last night. And uh, just the line from Eric Adams, <laughs> he talked to Curtis Sliwa, who's a colorful character. Hopefully we'll have him on the show. You never know. Uh, Adams said, and you know, essentially trying to ignore and parry the attacks from Sliwa, I'm speaking to New Yorkers, Mr. Adams said, not speaking to buffoonery. And uh, to which, or not directly, but Curtis Sliwa says, I'm the people's choice. Eric Adams is in the elites, is with the elites in the suites. Nice turn of phrase from Curtis Sliwa. I don't know if it'll help him. That seems to be his campaign, which is very interesting. Of course, turning it on its head, Republican Party, uh, calling the Democrat with the elites in the suites. That's it for this week here on Spin Class, here on the Nachum Siegel Network. See you next week. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.